Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Six Rings. The dynasty continues. And football things. The X, the Z, vertical routes. I love football, man. With your host, Andy Hart. Andy Hart is a football genius. I'm not going to pretend I sit down and watch the All-22. Next question, Andy Hart, please. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Is that Fitzy with you this morning? Absolutely not, Fitzy. This just in, I'm dead inside. And Chris Shine. Derek Carr, however, is a guy I would ride tonight. I think Matt Patricia's a boob. Back for another Patriots post-training camp practice, Six Rings and Football Things podcast. I'm Andy Hart from WEEI.com. He is Chris Shime Time Shime from the Greg Hill Show on WEEI. And we have lots to get to, so no screwing around to start this one. We're not going to fight because we'll leave the fighting to the Patriots and the Panthers in joint (laughs) practice action. Gillette Stadium, it was as entertaining a practice as you probably could have had, certainly Put into perspective some of the uh, snore fest practices we've had in Foxborough to open the summer. Yeah. Um, so we'll get it right out of the way. Um, there was a couple different fights in the practice session. The first started in a drill where Christian Wilkerson caught a ball on a sideline. And I don't know if he didn't like the physicality. He stood up sideline. I even I didn't see the very, very, very beginning of it. And even heard someone say maybe an assistant coach kind of pushed him back from the Panthers sideline. Um, well, a melee ensued. Um, it kind of involved because they were on the left field with me looking at the field on the right far field was a whole nother offense and defense. A lot of those guys came running over. There was a lot of running around um, Kendrick Bourne after there was sort of the traditional pushing shoving fight part. It started to slow up for a few seconds, and then all of a sudden Kendrick Bourne was throwing a haymaker at somebody. Oh, boy. um, Which, really stupid, by the way, throwing haymakers. Yeah, why? I've never understood that. Why are we punching people with football helmets on? You're just asking to hurt your hand. Right. If you actually want to hurt them, grab their face mask and twist and pull and hurt them. Or if you're going to hit them off the head, like, open hand. Like, you want to fucking – you want that was was a hard f my bad sorry i've been playing some video games we're not fighting i know my apology i was playing video games today it was just my brain's in a brain's in a puddle um (laughs) no but like you just want to open hand slap the side of them and that like that would hurt them far more than punching punching is only going to hurt you yeah it, it was dumb um so on that fight that resulted in panther safety kenny robinson uh, mm-hmm. Christian Wilkerson and Kendrick Bourne being asked to leave the field. They were escorted off. I should say there were two full crews of officials on hand for these joint workouts with the Panthers okay. at Gillette Stadium. So they were kind of managing it. Um, and then it was not long later, a short while later, that uh, James Ferentz went down in a pile again on the Panthers sideline mm-hmm. with, uh, I want to get it right, Phil Hoskins, defensive tackle for the Panthers. Phil Hoskins was immediately removed. Ferentz kept yelling, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And went to the Patriots sideline. But then a group of officials came over and were like, no, you got to go. Um, you know, they these teams generally, I know Belichick always has the rule. You fight, you're gone. It, like, yeah. there's really no excuses, anything. Now, I think watching it, the Ferentz one, from where I saw it, they both got locked up. And then this Hoskins guy kind of barrel rolled him and pulled him to the ground. And then they were kind of rolling around on the ground. I think... Ferenc is basically saying, I didn't do anything except get thrown to the ground by a big dude. Like, yeah. he didn't throw punches, whatever. But, again, there was some excitement. Uh, Trent Brown had some words with some people. And then 
So these were in various positional drills. And, and, and then when they, before they start another team segment, both teams were brought together in front of their coaches, their staffs separately in a group. And clearly the message was like, enough is enough. Let's put an end to this. Um, there was a lot of at various points, let's just play football being yelled kind of stuff mm -hmm. across the field. But um, certainly not the first time we've seen this. Certainly not no. the last time we've seen this. Well, especially um, last year after those dirtiest player in the league comments kind of thing uh, yep. from Brian Burns, like he kind of expected that there would be some sort of heat or beef going on. The funny thing is I'm trying to remember which one, but one of the two fights happened ahead of Mac Jones. He threw the ball. It might've been the first one to Wilkerson. He threw the ball and he was under pressure when he threw it. And he actually turned and was going the other way away from the line of scrimmage and fist bumped the pass rusher and said, you got me on that one. Like that wasn't a real play. Like I wouldn't have been able to throw it in a game. Yeah. And while they're doing this, like the little good sportsmanship fist bump, there's like a melee starting behind them, uh, which I thought was sort of a funny uh, visual on the field. Now there won't be, I should tell our listeners, there won't be any video and very few pictures, if any, because this was during a shutdown portion of practice mm -hmm. where you're not allowed to video or take photos. Um, so it's sort of the, uh, descriptions you'll get from the media of what you saw. And I'll be interested to see if we hear anything out of Carolina in terms of what they saw. It. Um, I found interesting. Adrian Phillips was talking about the competition, the intensity. And at one point he said, you got to bring the juice and not the fake juice. And it certainly seemed to insinuate maybe the Panthers were bringing the fake juice. They were certainly talking a lot. I actually mm -hmm. thought early in practice, they were kind of punking the Patriots offense in like a seven on seven drill. Um, number 40. Yeah, I saw Kyrie say that the Patriots struggled on seven on seven. They did. Uh, Brandon Smith, a linebacker, number 40, popped Jonu Smith after a play. He caught the ball like a little hook turnaround and then boom, got railed and the ball popped straight up into the air. And Jonu Smith's body language was almost like, um, I didn't know we were doing that in this drill, like kind of didn't know the contact level was at that height. So um, I thought they got pushed around a little bit in that drill. And then that was about it for the pushing around. Cause for the rest of the day, I thought your new England Patriots kicked the absolute living poo out of the Carolina Panthers. And I'm going to start with the defense because I may be previewing a little column. You may read on weei.com uh, all right. tomorrow. A little tease um, for us. All this talk of the offense, maybe we should have been talking about the defense because we've all joked like, hey, maybe all the offenses struggles. We're going to find out that the defense is pretty good. Um, the Panthers may suck too offensively, but the defensive front absolutely dominated. Christian Barmore, uh, Devon Godchow, Matt Judon, Josh Uche, Dietrich Wise was a beast. They kicked the crap out, whether it was a run play or a pass play. More often than not, you had multiple front seven New England Patriots defenders in the backfield giving Sam Darnold problems, giving Baker Mayfield problems. Quick side note, both those guys look like they stink. Yeah, um, they do. They do stink. But like you had like, I think it was God Chow one point, just ate up Christian McCaffrey and was like belly rolling on top of him on the ground. Like they squished the living crap out of the Panthers. And I think that's a good sign. And it's not just the front. Um, we had some blitzing from the secondary. Your boy, Jabril Peppers, doing a little bit more by the day, blitzing off the edge. Uh, Jalen Mills batted down a number of passes. It started in one-on-one. -on -one. I also thought he he brought a, a Kendrick Bourne-like energy to the mm -hmm. practice from the defense. He was celebrating whether he made the play, somebody else made the play. When he was on the sideline, he was celebrating with people who were on the field making plays. He brought a serious energy. And again, Phillips, I thought it was interested, interesting, said something to the effect, we all know JC left this, this offseason, and I see a guy that looks like he's trying to slide into that role, meaning that number one cornerback role for Jalen Mills. We'll see where that goes. I don't know how good he is, how good he can be. Um, but for today, the Patriots' defense looked dominant. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's a good. That's what you wanted to see, right? A aside from being dominant, this is a team whose ass you kicked in the regular season last year. And so for them to come into your house and in pra enjoy practices, the first ones, you kick their ass, that's exactly what you want to see. Out of a defense that we have a lot of questions about, right? Like, I mean, clearly this front seven is probably going to be even better than we thought it would be. And that may help cover up any deficiencies we had expected in the secondary. So, I mean, ultimately that could be massive. Yeah, I think we're getting to the point, at least I am getting to the point where defensive line, defensive front, edge front, good. 
there's yep. some bodies there. Solid. Still a work in play at linebacker with the the Bentleys, the Mac Wilsons. We'll see where that Raquan McMillan, Cam McGrone group goes. We know the safety group has talent. I'm still interested to see how that comes together. We've mm-hmm. seen a lot of actually like Kyle Duggar, deep part of the field. I'm interested to see how he fares mm-hmm. there. Okay. I don't think he's great in coverage. But again, this is training camp. You're trying things. We'll see where that goes. Devin McCourty is obviously your usual deep. I think Adrian Phillips, one of the more underrated players, the Peppers Agreed. thing. I'm intrigued by all of that. And Jalen Mills has just had a good camp to lock down one of those cornerback spots. Now today, because we continue to make note of who's next to Jalen uh, Mills, opposite him at the other outside corner spot was Jonathan Jones. And in okay. the slot was Miles Bryant for almost all the reps I saw all day long. Wow. Now I will say one caveat, another day without Malcolm Butler on the practice field. Um, and Joan Williams looks like he may be lost to IR. So there's some um, bodies not in the mix there that I don't know that I ever really considered in the mix. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of looking at your D-back group shaping up, right? We talked about this in the last podcast that there's going to be a couple odd men out. Those odd men out might just be the guys that aren't there. Like Joan right. Williams is done for the year. So he's kind of uh, off the plane anyways. And then, I mean... Malcolm Butler may just end up being the odd man out here. If, especially if miles Bryan is contributing at both special teams and slot corner. And then on top of that, you have both young rookie Joneses and Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills. Uh, you may just run out of space. Right. And, and we know the depth that safety comes into play there. When yeah, you talk exactly. about coverage ability, peppers, coverage ability, McCordy, like how you choose to, divvy up those numbers in the back end whatever you want to call it the back six or seven on any given play you know small nickel big nickel different types of groupings big dime small dime which by the way i've heard terms like that thrown around like there's a position group that was called small dime and Mm -hmm. i think marcus jones for example is involved in that so and he was a guy that i did think interesting today not a ton of reps with the the top group there so He kind of popped early when Jonathan Jones was not on the practice field in the slot. Now he's not quite as active. You mentioned Jack Jones was opposite Jalen Mills. How did he look today? No, Jonathan Jones was opposite Jalen. Oh, Jonathan Jones. Jonathan Jones. Yes, your veteran slot looks like he is being uh, groomed to no longer be a slot corner and to be an outside corner, at least based on the last couple days um, of action. Jack Jones in the mix with the next group. Sean Wade continues to be. I think Sean Wade is like a tease. Like he makes some plays, just not as many as you'd like, and he gets toasted occasionally. He really, I will say, he struggles at times in Mm one-on-ones where it's like he's chasing by five yards, seven yards. So, but that's not real. So I don't, if he's better in team, seven-on-seven in team, that's where I'd like you to be better. I'd like, I definitely don't want the guy who dominates one-on-ones and then can't take it to the game field or the competitive field, you know, the mix of the defense. But Sean Wade's an interesting guy to just, I think every rep matters with him in terms of what you think he can be in the future. Because right now, I don't think he's good enough. Yeah. But the question is, does he have the potential uh, to be better down the road? But there is nothing, there is almost nothing negative, in my opinion, that can be said about the Patriots defense from this joint practice action. That's awesome. Like, I, I just like I would that's re- good to hear for for a thing with I mean, we assumed that the front would be good, but we had so many questions everywhere else. And to see that they're dominating and really kicking ass and making an impact is a positive sign in week two of the preseason. And we all know, and I say this about like Barmore individually, for example, but also the unit like they like they faced their own challenges coming off the end of last year the mm-hmm. way they played against the bills and the they question run like, over by yeah, the colts paper champions fake d oh you you put up some numbers against certain people and maybe this is still it maybe the patriots offense isn't good and yeah. i said i don't think the panthers have a very good quarterback they may not be a very good offense even though i think they have some individual talent spread around that offense. Well, I heard McCaffrey had a couple nice runs today when he did touch the football. He did, but those were few and far between. There was like two of those maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I the, the Patriots dominated. They just dominated the line of scrimmage. They dominated the front. They started to have swagger. There was one pass rush from Wise. Again, similar to the Mac Jones thing, like he doesn't hit the quarterback, but it would have been an obvious sack yeah. in the game. And he turns and he's like almost like strutting like Ric Flair or somebody back to the line of scrimmage. Like 
They were celebrating Mills and Judon. There was a lot of energy there celebrating. They had some, some real swagger, I thought, today. And I do wonder if there's a little bit, um, not that they really care, but they're aware that everybody has spent three weeks ripping the offense and saying the offense sucks. And maybe they're like, you know, um, just a question in the back. Maybe we're actually doing something on defense in these practices. <laughs> that's good. That take into account that's yeah. good. That's going to help us as a team when we're actually fighting together for yeah. one common goal moving forward. So I'm I'm a little just one day, and I'm reactionary. But see, the funny thing is, fans only point out the reactions when I'm negative. When I'm positive, they like they ignore it. But like yep. this was a really good step for them defensively. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think this is good, and, and I'm excited to see what kind of happens in the preseason game. And, and I am too. And, and you know, defense is one thing, but we've also been talking about the offense. So mm-hmm. I want to shift there. After they got punked, I thought, in some of that seven-on-seven seven early and kind of got pushed around and maybe a feeling-out process, I thought the offense had one of its better days of the summer too against, again, a defense with some talent with Jeremy yeah. Chin and Brian Burns and some of these guys on the other side of the ball. J.C. Horn, their corner, returned. I think he was he a full he, participant today. He was a I think I think rule. I listened to Matt Rule post practice. I think he said he was limited to like 25 snaps, but he was out there. He was like yeah. in the mix. They used a lot of different defensive backs to throw at the Patriots at various times. Um I thought the Patriots showed steps forward offensively. I thought Mac looked pretty good. I'm not going to say there weren't some of those plays where the pass rush got in there and Mac had to pull it down and either like kind of bounce around or scramble, run the ball. There were some of those, not as frequent. There were, you know, there there were more plays where he dropped back and he hit an out. He dropped back and he hit a slant. So what I saw on Twitter, and this is again Twitter reports, but take it with a, a grain of, of Twitter salt. Yeah, of always there were a lot of checkdowns. Did you notice a lot of checkdowns, or uh, were it was it more just like the quick passing? I thought it was a little more quick passing. I thought okay. through the first couple of weeks, I thought the only passes they basically completed were checkdowns to the running backs. Yep. Now we've added some John U. Smith dragging across the field, a quick slant, a quick out to Nelson Aguilar. I think one of them was just baby steps. Like I'm almost excited about that because they couldn't even do that for a while. In and now it's yeah. like drop back, hit an out. I don't care that it's just an out and it's just four yards or six yards. I'll take it. There, there's like, I it's a high help. percentage play that gets you a couple yards. Positive and, and yards it, is good. Not only are positive yards good, ball thrown, ball caught, moved forward yes, is good. True. Like the mentality of we executed a play. We yeah. actually, that's where I get back to when it looked like a crappy high school offense that couldn't even execute that. And then you mix in some in cuts. You know, I'll give you an example. There was an in cut to, uh, Tyquan Thornton today where he caught it and I said to Giardi as he caught it he looked like he kind of just expected okay catch it and I'll take the 12 yard gain I'm going to get hit and I said I believe the next step in his development is catch that aggressively in stride thinking no they're not going to hit me because I'm going to oh, be gone by 20 the, yeah like I'm taking it up field and yeah I'm gone and th- so I, I think that's the next step because I thought he was up and down today. Wasn't one of Tyquan Thornton's better practices. He okay. was he was fine, made some plays. I thought there were opportunities where he didn't make plays. Um, one of the big talking points after practice with Devontae Parker because um, it happened again. Dude just catches and he wants them no longer termed 50-50 balls. He wants them referred to as 80-20 balls when they're thrown his way because he believes it's 80% chance he catches it. So, okay. So this is uh, a question that I wanted to ask you because, again, I, I saw Kyrie talk about um, like the first ball that Mac threw was to Devontae Parker, and it probably should have been intercepted. Was that a one of those 50-50 balls? Because if that's the case, I don't necessarily love the idea of, ooh, let's throw a bunch of 50-50 balls. I, if it's the one I'm thinking about, that one should have been intercepted, but it wasn't a 50-50 ball. Okay. It, that, that was closer to the line of scrimmage, I believe, and probably mm. should have been intercepted. Went There was a corner sitting there in the flat. I don't know if they were in zone or whatever. Yeah. That kind of went through his hands. Gotcha. Um, these are more sort of go routes, like, you know, 20 he, yards downfield. Is he where, dominating these corners in the air? In the air. And that's the thing. I've come to accept old friend Paul Perillo from patriots.com friend of the uh, the podcast on occasion yes. here at six rings and football things he would often say like 
Yeah, he wins contested catches because he's always covered. He's it's always contested. He, he can't never get created. separation. Which there's some truth to. You know, yeah, like I get Aaron that. Dobson when you come into the league. Oh, he wins 50-50 balls or Nikhil Harry. Yeah, but but at the same time, good. like DeAndre Hopkins wins a ton of 50-50 balls, right. but he's also really good. Anquan Bolden, I didn't think yeah. was a separation uh, type receiver. Okay. I thought Anquan Bolden over the second half of his career was covered. And you know what he yeah. do? Catch the ball because yep. he's better than you. He has better hands. He knows how to use his body. And I think I'm starting to just feel like Devontae Parker, especially for a quarterback who I think can can throw the ball relatively accurately to a spot he wants it to be in those situations to give his guy a chance to catch it, they look like they're building a little bit of a rapport in those situations. And there's no doubt that Parker has confidence in that. And again, I think that's another kind of play that can be a little bit um, – is moralizing a thing? So demoralizing for the defense and moralizing yeah. for the offense, I'll Uplifting say. Uplifting is the word you're looking Uplifting, for. Uplifting, but I've never understood the English language. If demoralizing is bad, then moralizing yeah. should be good. But anyway, it's good no, for the offense. No, because moralizing is uh, coming to terms with morals. That moral means something different. I know, but the two words should be – you should be able to to figure out the way they're used. That's why the English language is re, re, tough to tough to learn sometimes. Yeah, why do we spell drawer, drawer? Uh, we, well, hi, it's February. Yeah, it's February. Exactly. <laughs> we can go down the Wednesday. <laughs> um, but I, I think there can be value in that play of it. That's almost I said it earlier, they got punked a little at times on on offense by their defense. I think Devontae Parker just going up a, between a corner and a safety and coming down with the ball is punking that defense. And I think there can be additional value to that almost beyond the yards and that yeah. sort of boost. I guess the bigger thing for Devontae Parker is just health, right? Like, I think that was our biggest question in the offseason. We know he's got talent. We've seen him do it before in the full season that he's played. I think it's just ultimately, can he stay on the field? And that's a question that we'll just have to wait and see and, and needs to be answered. But he I'm said, glad to see that he's playing well, at least in, in training camp. And he says he's stretching a lot, so that's good, which I that's found a, interesting. I heard McCaffrey's doing the same thing. He's focused yeah. more on stretching and not as much working out. Right. And the funny part I found with Parker, they're like, you know, did you do like Pilates or anything like official yoga? And he's like, nah, I just like stretch my hamstring before I go to bed at night or something. And they were like, TB12 method. Yeah. And did anybody tell you to do that? Nah, nah. I just figured I'd try it. I'd try to stretch a little bit. And I was like, this is the first time you ever thought in your life to maybe stretch a little bit. Um, But no, a, a good day offensively. I will say, I didn't think the run game looked great. Um, This whole, uh, another day with no Isaiah win. So you had uh, Yadni Kajust at right tackle mm-hmm. again. Um, I don't, I don't, the, the run game is a work in progress. These zone runs, I haven't Which seen a lot Which is weird. Of this team was so good at running the football last year. And then to think that that has been, and I feel like it's been pretty consistently the worst part of the offense all throughout training camp. Yeah. And, and some of it is certainly the offensive line. Not yeah, of course. Goal. It's they're not always on the running backs, the, the zone blocking and, and they're learning on that. Like they're there. That's a work in progress. Um, they definitely were using not only outside inside zones today, but then the boots off of it. We had the traditional, like show the ball, max throw and boot passes coming out of it. So, you know, those people that thought maybe they're going to scrap that or that they're not actually doing that. Like that was on full display. I thought some of the changes they want to make to the offensive scheme against the Panthers today and with a little bit more success with a little bit more positive. Um, I will say just a, a note in terms of they, it was a long practice, a lot of reps, which always makes me wonder. Cause in the past, sometimes when the ones get a long practice with a lot of reps, it means actually less reps in the preseason game. Bailey Zappi. I'm not even sure he's, he stepped on the field today and like any significant reps or like yep. team or anything like that. A lot of Brian Hoyer made me wonder if we might see a lot of Bailey Zappi again on Friday night in the game, but yep. we can figure that out over the next couple days. Um, overall, I would just say simply, not only was it the best practice of the summer, I thought on both sides of the ball for Mac, for the defense showing up, but it also showed how lacking in intensity and execution they have been at various times this summer. Uh, mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball like this was a real old school physical hard hitting intense competitive practice and if you believe you know Trent Brown said it yesterday it's our first test they passed their first test in my opinion well there you go good start yeah i uh i, I just again i don't know how good the pan or bad the panthers are and and yeah. actually i i tend to trend toward bad i don't think they're a very good team they weren't great last year right and i you know they don't have a quarterback they don't know who their quarterback is 
today. Like you always say, Andy, you have two, you don't have one. Exactly. And they were both wild. Like Baker Mayfield makes some throws that are just head scratchers. They make no sense. That's why I never really kind of got why people like him so much. Well, I can tell you why, because there's times when he drops back like a five-step drop, plants the back foot, a guy makes a break, he fires a laser like right at him and you're like oh that looks good but yeah but it's like just enough. that scenario every other scenario doesn't look fun a hundred percent i i he's he's not very good he's no. he he's the kind of guy that gets you in trouble he costs people like gms people careers and and yep. like jobs and money it's the and, reason why kevin stefanski wanted to run the football so much yes yeah yeah because when baker throws it there's a good chance he's throwing it to the other team half the time or at least nowhere near your team <sighs> yeah not great know. Um, so yeah, those are trying to think of some other, oh, Hunter Henry. Um, okay. I'm going to be honest here. Like, I think some people pretend they see everything at practice. I don't, there were two fields with two teams with like four units. I was a little overwhelmed at various yeah, times. Sounds about right. And at some point in practice, when the ones were on the field and Matt Sokol went out and caught a pass, I was like, the fudge is going on around here. <laughs> and I was like, Anybody seen Hunter Henry and uh, Hunter Henry disappeared. I don't know when he stopped practicing, oh. but it was relatively early on. Hunter Henry stopped practicing. So um, you were down some offensive weapons with born Henry, mm-hmm. Christian Wilkerson, whatever you think of him being removed from practice. Um, so that's just a name or something to bear bears watching over the next few days. Hunter Henry. Cause I do think Hunter Henry is a critical um, like piece. foundational piece, not, We've talked about it, not playmaker foundation. No, 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 no. But like, Solid. you need him on the field. Yeah, you need him on the field because you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. Y- you He's need those to three to four catches and a touchdown every two weeks or whatever. Yep, 100%. So that bears watching. And again, that goes with Isaiah Wynn. That goes with Malcolm Butler uh, and some of the other guys that have missed some practice time. But you balance those out with a guy like Jabril Peppers taking more and more reps. So, you know, something leaves, something comes in. Boom, it's a balance. A yin and yang, so to speak. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, next up on this edition of Six Rings and Football Things, we're going to slide into some Pat's Puri talk. Slap. And I think Chris Scheim is going to lead this talk because it leads his favorite topic, and we know his favorite topic is Mac Jones. Yeah, so here's the thing, guys. Welcome into another edition of Pat's Puri. Um, I am okay. We need to talk about this. That's what we're here to do. (laughs) Mac Jones is officially a top 100 player in the NFL. He was ranked uh, 85th on the list. Now this is the NFL networks ranking based on player votes and no one's sure exactly what it's based on, but it includes player votes from the locker room. That uh that that eighty five spot by the way comes after uh another quarterback like uh, Kirk Cousins who yep. is objectively better. Um, with all that being said, this is bait. This is the biggest pile of bait I have seen in a very long time. They specifically put Odell Beckham Jr. at ninety and then Mac Jones at eighty five because everyone is losing their ever loving minds. And yes, I've seen references to this. I've read some blog entries. Like one blog I read on one of the fan sites was like the most overrated and underrated players yet in the top 100. And Mac was the most overrated player. Like Kyle Pitts, another rookie from last year, 91 on the list. Kyle Pitts is the second rookie tight end in NFL history to have a thousand receiving yards as a rookie. Now, 
I don't know about you. It's a little more impressive what? than what? 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 an average quarterback season. Oh, a I, Pro so, Bowl. Oh, oh, excuse me. A Pro Bowl quarterback season in which he led his team cool. back to the playoffs. So here's my other thing. And so this is, I think this devil's is more advocate, so, by the way. Yeah, devil's I know. Advocate Andy Hart, I know you are. Uh, this is more my point is it feels like this is positionally weighted. If that's the case, almost half every quarterback in the league should be on the list for the uh, most part. Any 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 decent quarterback should be on this list. I agree. So if this, it's positionally weighted. This takes me back to when I got a lot of criticism, mockery, whatever, with my ranking the Patriots roster 1 to 87, yep. and in the two slot had Nick Folk. And some people are like, he's just a kicker. You got. And my argument for that was... He does his job better than just about everybody on the Patriots. His yep. job, not Correct. I don't want him to tackle anybody or catch a pass or throw a pass. I want him to line up and kick the ball from like 48 yards out with the game on the line. I think he does his job as well as anybody. If I had just done it weighted by positional, then Nick mm -hmm. Folk's like the 40th best player in the Patriot because he's just the kicker. And Mac Jones, because he's the quarterback, has to be one. The quarterback would be one. Which is why this list makes no sense, because guess who else is in the 90s, Andy? Justin Tucker. Okay. Uh, he is arguably one of the greatest kickers in NFL history. Correct. Um, still is. He still nails. And somehow Mac Jones is ahead of him as well. So now, it's it, – I, I, and I don't I, – so I just – I don't understand this list. Is It's like it's clearly not positionally it, – it's like partially positionally weighted, but really kind of not. Right. And – I. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I I just, I, I mean, Kyle Juszczyk, a fullback, is number 100. Okay. What, what's your problem with that? I know you love fullbacks, but come on. Do. We don't need, ooh, he's ooh, not the 100. Time out. Time out. Real quick. Guess okay. who was at Patriots uh, joint practices today at Foxborough? Who? Oh, uh, James Devlin? No. Oh. Daryl Moose Johnston. Emmett Smith's fullback with the Dallas Cowboys. Nice. That's actually really cool. Okay, go back to your discussion of use check ripping because he made the. He's a good player. He's yeah, a good he's a player. good player, but it, he's not a top a hundred player. And like he's it's not as important as now to the team as as a, a lot of these other guys. Like okay, so Wyatt Teller, fantastic, fantastic interior lineman for the Cleveland Browns, is only two spots ahead of Mac Jones. And you could argue that he is top five in his position. Right, and Mac is top. 15 20 yeah exactly in he's range. in that 15 20 range exactly okay. so like and that's uh, that's what bothers me is it's like a guy like wyatt teller who might be top five at his position should be in the top 50 if mac jones is on this list if mac jones is on this list okay like if wyatt teller falls all the way down to 83 or whatever i get it trey hendrickson another guy had yep. a phenomenal season last year for going off of last year Mac Jones only has one year anyways. So if we're going off of last year. How is he only seven spots ahead of Mac Jones? How is he not a top 50 player in the NFL? And at a marquee position. At a premium position yes. at the end. So he's one of the better DNs in football last year. We can we can kind of compare this. If you recall, we talked a lot about those ESPN lists where the top tens, and I believe they ranked they had 11 positions. I don't believe they did kickers and punters. They had 11 positions, only one of which had one Patriot, which was tied for 10, Hunter Henry. Correct. But 11 positions in the top 10 is 110 players. Yes. And Mac wasn't in that. Mac was not right. included anywhere near the top 10 of quarterbacks. And yet he's 85 on this list. Right. Now, the flip side of that is number 52 on the list is Matthew Judon, Patriots edge performer. I, but which, I think that's about accurate. I like that for a number of reasons, but using my logic, when they did Edge on ESPN, nobody he voted for Matt 10. He wasn't True. in the top 10, so he wouldn't have been in the top 110 players, and now he's in the top half of that at 52. But I would also say, guy's been to three straight Pro Bowls with two different teams. He, yeah. For a portion of last year, whatever happened down the last stretch of a month plus, COVID, injury, whatever – he fell off, but at one point, people were like, is this guy a defensive player of the year candidate? Was there ever an offensive player of the year candidate for, for Mac Jones? Like, no. Matt Judon has earned a certain respect level based on a consistent playing style contributions. I would yep. also argue he kind of was fighting alone. Like, he didn't have a lot of help last year and was still sort of getting his job done. So, I, I think Matt Judon, as a 
middle of the road top 100 player like is he the best no he's not Aaron Donald he's not TJ Watt he's they'll be in the top 10 they'll be spoken for much later but he's a good player I it's the quarterback thing it's the quarterback it really is because it's like you mentioned the the ESPN lists right Hunter Henry cracked the list at number 10 he's not going to be in the top 100 no nor should he be by the way no, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, by logic, by at least by numbers, he, he should probably be at least close. He should be closer than apparently these guys. But, but I, I, you were right. They're getting what they bait. wanted. They want it, Exactly. And they so ultimately, interest. the thesis of uh, my discussion here with you all is I want you to know that this is bait. Whether you like Mac Jones or hate Mac Jones, this is nothing but bait that they want you to argue with people about and talk about it. And that that is that is the sum of this uh, this story. So. My question, though, is if you believe it's bait, yep. do you believe it is – If is there any veracity to the list? Like, do they legitimately have votes and then put it together, or do they just kind of get some votes, maybe look at that, but then kind of put it together however the hell they want it? No, I – so to be completely honest with you, I just think – I, I this may sound dumb, and I, I, but I'll say it anyways. I just don't think NFL players are a great um, – evaluators oh they're not they care about their friends and their buddies and the guys they like and they also don't often have a a good like wide knowledge like they're fixated on the teams they play play who they who they're not watching football every sunday they're not like and so to me like i look at this list and odell beckham shouldn't be on this list that's why he didn't play all that well last year I've seen the players do these lists. I've also seen the players do some Pro Bowl voting. And it's yeah. almost like delegates where if you can win, if you are, for example, um, like they're doing the, let's just say they're voting for D tackle. Yep. A lot of times, like David Andrews, people will be like, hey, who's the best defensive tackle? And David Andrews will say, oh, Aaron Donald or whoever he played. Let's pretend he played Barmore. Oh, Barmore kicked my ass. Barmore is the best guy I faced all year. So David Andrews, as the offensive line representative, tells all these other guys, no, Barmore is the best defensive tackle. So suddenly Barmore just got like 8, 10, 12 votes because all the guys that are in that circle that got their sheet out are like, I don't know, David Andrews said Barmore is the best. So it's not – It's all these are flawed. We know that when we get into these discussions. I even look at a guy like um, like Von Miller is on this list. Von Miller was not a top 10 pass rusher last year in football. No, don't tell he that was, to the Bills. They just gave him a boatload of money in a long contract. Yeah, he was 19th in sacks last year. Like, he wasn't, he, like, he gets more credit because he was on the Super Bowl winning team, but it was more, that was more about the team than it was him. Well, like, it's, I, I would it, like so it's, to- we're talking about biases and positional weightings. Mm-hmm. I am interested the top 50 or the top 25, like how heavily weighted is it to quarterbacks, wide receivers, like offensive players, playmakers. If I had to of... guess, it's going to be heavily weighted to receivers. Yeah. Um, if that's, I mean, you're looking at CD lamb, Odell Beckham, Jr. Mike Evans uh, are already some of the guys that are in this. And so, like, I have a feeling that it's going to be very heavily weighted towards receivers. Right. Um, and, and to me, and it makes sense in my head, because for an NFL player, the guys that they remember, receivers and corners. Like, those are the guys that make a lot of the highlights. And then right. next down on the list would be quarterbacks and DNs. And then at the bottom of the list would be linebackers and offensive linemen and stuff like that. And, like, running backs is somewhere in the mix. Um, so like David Montgomery should not be a top hundred player. I'm sorry. He's, he yeah. shouldn't, I don't, he, he's, he he's not even, he's not even a top 10 running back. He shouldn't be a top hundred player. Yeah. It's, so, it's a flawed. I've always hated this list. Yeah, It's, it's, it's just bait and it's guys voting for their buddies and, and guys that they play. And it's like, Oh yeah, David Montgomery's really good. I played against him and he, he ran over me once or twice. I've also always wondered because. Like it's it's being revealed in mid-August. Yep. Is this who had the best 2021 season? Is it who you think is going to be best in 2022? Because well, like, if it's who had the best 2021 season, then Aaron Rodgers should be number one, but he won't be. Right. Like, It'll be Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen. And, and I'm kind of fine with that, but me then, too. And, and I guess that would be an argument maybe for putting Mac on the list. Like you're projecting him to have a year two jump, and you think he goes from good rookie to great quarterback. Yeah. 
I, I, don't, I don't know. I've, I've always wondered what the criteria is and, and been a little confused. And I so. think that's the biggest issue is there is no criteria, right? And there's no grading process. It's not. It's just players voting for whoever they want. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, so a, a little Pat's Puri from <laughs> practice. Uh, Ooh, okay. Kind of a who's who at practice today. You know, I mentioned Daryl Moose Johnston from yep. the uh, Dallas Cowboys, one of the great all-time fullbacks. And I now... I believe he's is he like their top analyst on Fox now, or he's I think he may have replaced Aikman as the top Fox. No, isn't isn't um uh Greg uh, Olson the top one? Okay, so maybe he's two. Let's see, I forget. I thought Moose got moved up a notch in terms of their. He hierarchy. might have. Um, I I don't necessarily know which um broadcasting team he's on, but it looks but, like oh no he uh he's paired with Kevin Burkhart and Pam Oliver. Told you, like. Fullbacks yeah. know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Fullbacks for life. Um, another notable face on the sideline. And I don't know. Uh, you never know exactly who people are with, because I guess the Panthers probably could invite people to be their guests of these joint yep. practices. Um, but old friend who once famously said that at another joint practice in Richmond years ago that um, a Patriots backup quarterback, quote, popped on the practice field. Former, former Raiders GM and known, uh, what was he, a cracker? Mike Mayock Mike was Mayock. on the practice field today. He is a fob friend of Belichick. He's definitely a friend of Belichick, and I wonder if he's getting close to getting back into, with all these media deals and everything, I wonder if he's close to getting back into the media. Um, but sense. yes, Mike Mayock was on the sideline. You had Teddy Bruschi on the sideline spending some time. Cool. He was interesting to me because – when they started out real, real early, the Patriots were on one field and the Panthers were on another. And Bruschi watched the Panthers the whole time. His back was to the Patriots field. And then he was like chatting up the various officials. So I wasn't really sure what he was doing there. Maybe he just knows the Patriots better. And he's like, oh, I'll learn the Panthers, I guess, while I'm here. Uh, so I found that interesting. I'm pretty sure Rob Ninkovich was also on the field hanging out with Teddy Bruschi. So there was a, a little bit of a who's who nature yes. to, the, uh, to the practice field up. Uh, Obviously, actually, I shouldn't say obviously. Robert and Jonathan Kraft were on the practice field, and I saw um, their helicopter was flying in. They they were a little um, I feel like they've been a little absent at times. I'm not sure I've seen Jonathan yet this summer. This was the first mm -hmm. time seeing him, and Robert was out there early, and I feel like he's been a little bit more scarce at some of these practices. Maybe he didn't spend like seeing. Uh, it has been hot. You're true, and, and he's a billionaire. He shouldn't be watching. They got better things to do, right? Yeah. I have to go watch practice. They actually make me your job. do this podcast and talk about it on the radio and write about it on WEI. If I had billions of dollars in the bank, I'm not sure I would be watching practices. But yeah, the Crafts were out there. Mayock was out there. Maybe he's the future GM of the Patriots. Who knows? I doubt it. Would you take him? Yeah, I like. I personally like Mayock. Like I've I've always been a fan of his work when it came to the draft stuff. Um, when he worked for like NFL Network and stuff. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I mean, ultimately, Bill Belichick still has the the final say, right? So he's just kind of working with Belichick. It's just another Casario or another Matt uh, Grohl or Elliot Wolf or any of those Matt guys. Grohl, not Grohl. Right. That's Grohl. Dave Grohl. Right. Matt sorry. Grohl. You know what I meant. Different people. Um, sorry, my apologies, Matt um, Grohl. Um, but like, it's just, it, it would, again, it, Belichick has the final say. So would he be, would he be nice to have here helping Belichick scout some talent? Sure. I'm fine with that. 
Yeah, my problem with Mike Mayock is simple. I don't think he can make decisions. I've hated it for years that on the NFL Network, he always did a top five that often included like three guys Six tied for the seven. Spot. I'm sorry, yeah. it's a top five. If you don't have yeah. the balls to pick five, how am I going to ask you to pick one person with like the seventh pick in the draft? Yeah, it's and it's weird. And well, I mean, so he would help Belichick in that he does a really good job on hitting on middle round picks. Belichick needs to tell him, I don't want any of your help with first and second round because this is a guy who drafted Cleveland Furl in the first round, but also found Max Crosby in the fourth yep. round. So again, some give and some take. Like Belichick, like you miss on the cornerback Joan Williams, but you nail like a JC Jackson undrafted or whatever, yep. right? Exactly. As they always say in New England, it's not how you got here, it's what you do once you get here, right? If you get mm -hmm. end up with enough good players, then you're a good team. Now, a semi-serious note that I wanted to bring up, because it's like tangentially a Patriots story. It's a football okay. story. Um, really sad story out of Texas where there was a shooting oh, yeah. at a nine and under football game that involves the Talib family to some degree. Um, there's various reports. His brother has turned himself in. I think it's Yasib or Yaqib. Yaqib. Um, I know it's spelled Y-A-Q-U-B. Yeah, he's turned himself in and has been charged with firing and killing an assistant coach on another team. Um, there's various reports out there that Akib was sort of not firing the gun involved, but maybe kind of escalated the situation, started the fight, chased down a ref, and threatened to beat the ref up. Different. It's just, I, I get a reputation because, you know, I've been critical of refs at the youth level. I've never threatened one. In fact, I've never followed one. I've never taken a step toward one. I just think they're worthy of criticism from afar. But the, the idea that, A, there is a gun at a youth football game and that the gun is then discharged over some, it sounds like there was some dispute over a nine-year-old football hit. game. And yeah. And, and they, the refs actually ended the game six minutes early because it was reaching a level where clearly there was animosity yep. between everyone. And then maybe the, the, the victim, I guess one story, the victim was getting a football. It, it was kicked into the other. Then all of a sudden, you know, it's a fracas and people are defending themselves. Women were involved, all kinds of stuff, just a really, really sad story. And I, you know, one of the quotes I read from somebody who was there was like, like, this is where they're supposed to have fun and be safe and get yeah. away from fights and streets and gang and violence. And, and now you got not only a kid that goes home without a father, like a team that lost a coat, like, can you imagine the, the sort of tr we talk about trauma like in this day and age and mental health like these nine-year-old kids just saw their coach shot in front of them on the football field like I can't even believe it and it's, it, it's unfortunate that a former player NFL player is involved on any level some level I will say though Akeem Tlaib's had a checkered history and this is the danger and we've seen this the last couple of weeks in a few different ways um, Marshawn Lynch arrested on a, uh, a DUI or whatever. And, you know, was these guys have a certain reputation and it seems like the networks have embraced an edgier color commentator and edgier yep. bringing that. Well, you know, the old saying, like you, you, you lie with dogs, you get fleas kind of thing. Like you can't ignore their pasts and their connections and the lifestyle that they've led or lead or however it is. So I think it's an interesting sort of, outside the direct football world NFL story and and really unfortunate with the, the Tlaib situation. Yeah. I mean, you and I are no stranger to yelling at referees. Like we get that, we get yeah. that aspect of it, but when you come to, uh, I mean, why are we coming to children's games with loaded weapons? Like what right. it's, it's just, it's sad. It's and depressing. I know it's Texas, it's sad, everybody's it's, like, well, it's Texas. Everybody has a weapon. They're like, no, that's not, I don't really agree with that. Like leave it in the car or whatever. Yeah. Like, like, and, but like, why are you pulling it out? Like, why are right. you even, even if you are in Texas and you have a, you know, carry license or whatever, why are you pulling it out at a child's football game? Right. It's a nine-year-old's football game. This isn't high school. This isn't, this isn't anything of life and death. I don't yes. understand why well, you're bringing that into it. it. It shouldn't be anything of life and death. Unfortunately, it yeah. became something that was, that was life and death. And yeah, like, again, you're, you're right. I, I think refs can and should be criticized even at the high school level. The youth I level have, is a little different. I have coached many, many a soccer teams, and I have yelled at many, many a refs, many uh, from uh, from all over the place. I have yelled at refs as a player and as a coach and as a fan. But like, I, there's a lot of like, any kind of violence is right. just. Well, I'll give you an example. I, I yelled at a horrific high school lacrosse ref last year. He was terrible. I yelled at him, yelled at him, yelled at him. So the game ends. And I go to the bathroom and who just happens to be at the urinal right next to me, but this terrible high school ref. 
And we had the nicest conversation. Like, I would never think of bringing, you suck. You cost us the game. Like, you. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, this weather is much better than the weather last week. Like, just had like a small talk, stupid conversation because like the game was over. Like, there's no. I, I I don't know. I don't really understand how people cross the line. Like, and maybe some either. people think I cross lines with what I say. Like, I don't really believe that, but certainly taking it post game or threatening somebody or certainly violence or anything beyond that. And I just, it's, it's a sad state of the world and it creates, it creates, I think problems for parents and kids who want to play. And like, yeah. Now, like, are there parents that are like, wow, I don't know if I want my kid playing that sport or that area. Like, it just, it's sad because I do think sports should be, everybody should play sports. I'm a big believer. Everybody should play sports. It should yep. be a place welcoming to everyone. And unfortunately, it isn't. But uh, anything else you got left in your Pat's Paris segment of the week before we wrap up this latest Six Rings pod? Uh, no, I think that does it for me, Mr. Andy Hart. Okay, let's end on a high, though, and let's just recap okay. real quick the first segment. Awesome freaking practice. Gillette Stadium, Panthers, Patriots today. Patriots were dominant on defense. The front was dominant. Christian Barmore, I continue to believe, is a developing star. Developing star for the New England Patriots. I think it's a cliche. Sky's the limit. I'm interested to Love see to where this it. guy can go. But the whole front, Judon, Wise, Barmore, Godchow, Uche, everybody was making plays dominant. Jalen Mills had a big day. And then offensively, I thought there were some good things. I thought the, the offense is work in progress, but showing progress, baby steps. I thought Mac Jones, you know, I heard Giardi say it on our station. He said Mac Jones had his best day of the summer. I can't disagree. It may have been Mac Jones's best day of the summer. There's still plenty of room for me to see more in it, to be better with the line and with him and everything. Mm -hmm. And the one last thing I need to see get going, and this may be the line, is get the running game going. I'd like to see a few more holes opened up because I think we all are intrigued or excited about Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And like, Very much so. They need the opportunity to show their skills, and to get that opportunity, it revolves around the guys up front. A, knowing what they're doing, and B, doing it properly and blocking it. But all in all, first day of joint practices with the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule's team was a uh, resounding success for Bill Belichick's team, Woo! the New England Patriots. They passed their first test. They will have another test on Wednesday at Gillette Stadium, another joint practice. We'll see if it's as competitive, as physical, hopefully not as feisty, hopefully no fights that lead to, what's the total, five players being ejected Eesh. from the practice field. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but hopefully the Patriots continue to stack days together, as Bill Belichick likes to say, both offensively and defensively. And when they're out there, we're out there with eyes on the practice field, six rings and football things. If you want to get in touch with what we see, you can follow us on Twitter at six rings pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email. If you have a question, if you hate Shime, if you love Shime, if you hate me, if you love me soon, Fitzy may be back so you can interact with him. It's at six rings pod at gmail.com and as always please download the podcast please subscribe to the podcast please tell a friend rate review download the odyssey app it's the easiest way to get it but you can also obviously get it with spotify apple podcasts all your various outlets we appreciate you listening and we hope we uh keep the momentum rolling not just for the patriots but for six rings pod right into the season and the second preseason game on friday night for chris shine time shine I'm Andy Hart. This is another Six Rings pod in the books. See ya. Peace out.